I'm Rebecca, and we are Mama Bear Apologetics. Apologetics. We're just two gals talking about life's big questions from a biblical worldview. Because when it comes to the battle of ideas, we need to be able to say, mess with my kids and I will demolish your arguments. You mess, I demolish. Got it? Capiche? (laughs) (laughs) Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Welcome to another episode of Mama Bear Apologetics. I'm Hillary. And I'm Rebecca. And today we are going to be talking about our tagline. So for anyone who has been to our website, it's at w or hasn't been to our website, it's www.mamabearapologetics.com. And when you pull it up, you'll see our, our main tagline, which is mess with our kids and we'll demolish your arguments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which, of course, you probably heard if you were listening to the podcast because it's in that as well. And so, Rebecca, I've, I, it's really interesting sometimes to see the reaction between people with this, this tagline because hmm. most of the time, the women who I can tell get what we're doing they immediately get that tagline. <laughs> yeah. I remember when you first told it to me. <laughs> In fact, actually, you know, because I actually had a different tagline originally, and you know what made me switch to this one is when we were on Skype with uh, Natasha Crane mm. that one time. Uh, do you remember the time it was in, in the old apartment or the old house? Uh, yes, I back do. in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first time we met her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was the first time we talked to her on Skype. And so I said that and she just started laughing. She's like, yes. And I was like, maybe I should think about that one a little more. And as I've met other women who I really think are just have that heart of the mama bear, every time they, they go, yes, <laughs> I get that. <laughs> Actually, you know, when I thought about it, I've had more men not understand. <laughs> you know what it is? What? It all comes back to Chesterton. (laughs) All the collective eye roll. But no, seriously, he wrote something in Orthodoxy, I believe, about the woman being sort of the protector of the home and the man being the diplomat. So Mm. the woman is like, the home is her country. You know, she's the ruler. (laughs) And And the husband is the the diplomat that has to keep relations with all the other countries in in order that actually makes sense <laughs> in some ways because okay. i think i got it right i remember reading that thinking yes this is so true <laughs> you're probably reading that kind of you know twirling your hair going i might do that <laughs> yeah well especially when you deal with mother laws and and daughter-in-laws and even daughters and mothers and just all those dynamics the, the men are often in between kind of they're they're the diplomats they're the they're they're like they're they're the ones at the embassy that <laughs> that really is true it's never really mm-hmm. occurred to me but that is actually very true yeah. um so yeah sometimes I have guys that don't get it and every now and then I'll have um a woman who doesn't totally understand um or this is this is a comment that I've gotten from someone in my family she she wrote and said well is that really biblical you know, to demolish arguments. That's, it's from a verse. I know, that was, that was the thing, because she's really, really well, she, she knows scripture, and I just yeah. thought it was funny that I was like, that comes straight from a verse. It's, I, I believe, 1 Corinthians 10.5, I'm always it's bad second, at it. 2 Corinthians 10.5, I have okay, it right second. here. It said, okay. 
Um, the weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. Instead, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We tear down arguments and every presumption set against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience as soon as your disobedience is complete. Blah blah blah. It goes on. But okay. that, I think that is the um, the Berean Study Bible. So it's a little mm-hmm. bit different wording there. But I like yeah. the Net Study Bible just because I love I too, the, yeah. the words. Uh, just because I know the research that goes behind it with Daniel oh, Wallace yeah. in the New Testament uh, Center for New Testament. Wait, Center for the Study of New Testament Manuscripts. It's always a mouthful. Yeah, it's actually, let me, let me find it. Yes, here it is from the Net Bible. For although we live as human beings, we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but are made powerful by God for tearing down strongholds. We tear down arguments and every arrogant obstacle that is raised up against the knowledge Mm. of God. And we take uh, every thought captive to make it obey Christ. Mm, I love that. And whenever I think of the, the verse about taking every thought captive, I've got just an adorable story about my husband. Um, that just kind of shows you what kind of man he was, even as early as middle school, that he used to have this thing that 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 verse about taking every thought captive when he was a middle school boy, when he had thoughts that he knew weren't pleasing to God, that he would picture himself physically taking them and wrestling them down and making them captive. I love it. Actually, that's a really good, that's a good, um, that's a good way of thinking about it. I love this verse just because there's that part of me that almost hears kind of the Rocky theme song in the background when I hear this verse of like, yeah. And the thing that I think that people don't understand is they, our, our culture has gotten so much into we don't know how to separate the person from the idea. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it's necessarily all, you know, I can't say that's all on us. I think a lot of times in our culture says this idea is me. This is my identity. If if you disagree with this, you disagree with me. And they've kind of made it this all or nothing thing to where, like, you know, we've been trained in the church to say, oh, love, love the sinner, hate the sin. Mm-hmm. And the culture is starting to say, nope, can't do it. You're not allowed to. We are one and the same. And that is just not true. Mm-hmm. I, I am my sin. Our culture has become whatever my sin is, is is who I am and and not a choice or or and 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 you know it, it definitely is more complex than that because sometimes our sins come from a lot of factors that seem to be a part of who we are yeah but um yeah and our our culture is very sensitive and yeah. so it's when when we are trying to demolish an argument and not a person. People's identity are so wrapped up in the argument and the argument that they're making that they take it personally. Yeah. And so and so we do need to be sensitive to that. But that still doesn't mean that this Bible verse is not applicable. <laughs> we're so, still demolishing arguments. <laughs> yeah, we are still demolishing arguments. And something that I want to bring us back to is um, it's a verse from Colossians 2.8. And here I'll scroll down to the Net Bible just since that's that's our favorite. Um, Be careful not to allow anyone to captivate you through an empty, deceitful philosophy that is according to human traditions and the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Actually, I'll, I'll read it in the NIV because I think it's a little easier to understand. Uh, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Now, there's one particular word in here that is the same between, I'm sure there's more than one, but between this verse and the 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and that is um, captive. 
Mm-hmm. It's this mm-hmm. idea of captivity. We we have this. We I, I think people don't quite understand the what is going on in the battle of ideas mm. and how the battle ideas like I think I say it on the website somewhere it is not taking prisoners it takes you I mean in some ways it is taking prisoners but it'll destroy you I mean in some ways but just this idea of it taking you captive and so like we were talking earlier about how you know my of course immense expertise from watching cop shows <laughs> 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 yeah, um, bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> well, actually, not. I still not, love that show. Oh my gosh, not I'm, I'm old. That one. I, well, I, I mean, I, I didn't mean, love it, but I was. I watched it. Like, yeah, you were fascinated. I was thinking yeah. more like um, I'm trying to think of like you know CSI type stuff. Oh, but, oh, I don't like those. <laughs> okay, but one thing that I have learned the autopsy ones. No. Oh golly, I love that. <laughs> I know because I'm I'm a science nerd. But one thing that I've learned from that is that if someone is held hostage, you don't take the shot unless you have a clear shot. So mm. basically, you have you know the bad guy that's got got an innocent person, um, and you only take the shot if you have a clear shot. If you don't have a clear shot, you don't put the hostage in danger. And so one of the things with if we are going to be demolishing arguments, we have to be able to distinguish the person from the captor. The idea is the person. We are not demolishing people at all. Because like you said earlier, that turns us into, I think there's some people who have a really bad idea of what apologetics is because they've been introduced to some really bad apologists who really just like to tear down people. Yeah, Um, and and I think one of the the heart behind the we will mess with our kids and we will demolish your argument I think it's a proper warring spirit. It's a warring spirit that's not just trying to beat someone down to make ourselves victors and conquerors and see how great we are, but we're fighting for something that's behind us. And that's another quote from Chesterton. I was just about to say, get that quote that you read earlier. That (laughs) That I love. Um, The true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. Mm. And... And it's not that we even hate the arguments. I mean, they're just arguments, so they're just abstract things. But we don't hate the people. We actually love them. And we're hoping, even in the process of protecting our kids, that we can also rescue someone that's caught in the web of arguments and um, or at least disentangle them a little bit. Well, you think about the the verse that says, uh, you'll know the truth and tr- the truth will set you free. I've heard a lot of people who have talked about... Um, when they went from uh, being kind of captivated by some of these empty philosophies of mm. atheism and when they were able to discover the truth, how it was like being freed in a lot of ways. Yeah. And now I have to point out, there's a guy, I need to remember what his name is. I was on a conference call a couple of weeks ago with some of the leadership in uh, Rochelle Christie and some of the people from Youth Exodus. And he was studying people who had gone from being Christians to being atheists. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he said was a continuing theme throughout uh, his just his interviews with people is they had this incredible feeling of being free, finally, which is interesting mm-hmm. because we can say it both ways. We can say people who were held captive by atheistic philosophy felt free when they became Christian. They can, mm-hmm. you know, the knowledge set them free. But you've also got some people who... Um, went from being Christians that said they felt freed when they were able to get rid of that. But the thing that he found 
that was consistent in most of their stories is having a hyper-fundamentalist background. That was oppressive. That was oppressive. And so if we want to even think about being taken captive by ideas, it's not just going to be worldly ideas. There is a false seed and a false kernel of Christianity. There's a false form of Christianity that can hold someone captive just as badly as any form of atheism that's out there. And that's one of the reasons why theology matters. Like, you know, people say, don't give me all that theology, just give me Jesus. No, theology matters because one of the things that Satan loves to do is he loves to pervert truth of God. And if you ha- you can be taken captive by perverted truth of God just as easily as a blatant lie of the enemy. Both of them can be equally dangerous and equally oppressive. There's a very good quote um, from um, C.S. Lewis um, on theology and the value of theology. It's in Mere Christianity, and he's responding to um, someone that tells him, well, I get my theology in nature. I don't need organized religion. I don't need um, the Bible. I don't need to study theology. And he calls theology a roadmap. And he said, um, let, let me find it because it is, it's a very beautiful quote because um, theology is not our faith itself. And so there's, there's the extreme of just studying theology and having no relational aspect to your faith. Oh, and everybody's known that person too. And that's, you know, we want to reject that just as well. Much. And C.S. Lewis himself called theology a lesser language than the actual incarnation, death, burial, resurrection of Christ. That is the, that is the, 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 the theology made fact, right? It's all mm-hmm. the abstract concepts made fact. But theology is important. It is a roadmap. And it's not that we have it all figured out. Like we've talked about, there are these peripheral issues, peripheral issues that are more gray, but then we have these core issues that are, that are, you know, you don't believe it, you're not a Christian, you know? Yeah. Um, let me find it because it's ex- excellent. Okay, so, um, yeah, so C.S. Lewis had something to say. Uh, it's very common for especially evangelicals, but, but many, many of us, we, we sometimes we feel dismissive of theology. We think it's a, it's a hindrance. It's a way to sort of turn our faith into an abstraction, into arguments. Mm-hmm. And you can't argue anybody into the kingdom, that, and that's true. But if you don't have any roadmap of how to get them to the kingdom, you're going to send them to the wrong kingdom. And when, what he says here... He says, theology is like a map. Merely learning and thinking about the Christian doctrines, if you stop there, is less real and less exciting than the sort of thing a friend of his got by going into the desert. This is the man who thought that he could just go into the desert and find God. (laughs) Doctrines are not God. They are only a kind of map. But that map is based on the experience of hundreds of people who really were in touch with God. Experiences compared which with which any thrills or pious feelings you and I are likely to get on our own are very elementary and very confused. And secondly, if you want to get any further, you must use the map. You Mm -hmm. see, what happened to the man in the desert may have been real and was certainly exciting, but nothing comes of it. It leads nowhere. There is nothing to do about it. In fact, that is just why a vague religion, all about feeling God in nature and so on, is so attractive. It is all thrills and no work, like watching the waves from the beach. But you will not to get to Newfound you will not get to Newfoundland by studying the Atlantic that way. You will not, not get eternal life by simply feeling the presence of God in flowers or music. Neither will you get anywhere by looking at maps without going to sea. 
nor will you be very safe if you go to sea without a map. Yeah. And I would, I would contradict him slightly um, just to say, you know, I can't remember exactly the way he said it of like, no one's going to get to heaven just by experiencing the, you know, the beauty of the flower. But I, I there is a certain amount of childlike faith that I think is a salvific faith. And I think one of the greatest evidences of that is that we have people like with Down syndrome who are kind of constantly at that childlike level who can have very rich almost kind of experiential faith in God. And mm-hmm. so I don't want to downplay that at all. But at the same time, you know, it talks about in scripture, excuse me, how, you know, milk is for babies and the meat is for the mature. And it's always encouraging people towards maturity. And mm-hmm. when, the more mature you get doesn't mean that you stop loving that experiential aspect it doesn't mean that you stop it enriches it actually yeah it really does yeah i was having a conversation on facebook the other day and there was a person who i kind of got in a conversation with that was have you ever heard of name it and claim it theology no Mm -mm. uh so name it and claim it theology is something where people say you need to speak your truth into existence basically this would be (laughs) it's essentially what if you if you remember the stuff going on with oprah where there was a book called the secret and i think the guy actually is in jail now because he tried to put some of you know his ideas to practice and ended up killing some people accidentally (gasps) um yeah it was it was like some kind of sweat lodge or something where you're supposed to have a mystical experience and like yeah if you, you if you put someone in something where they're so completely dehydrated they're going to have an experience. It might not necessarily be the spiritual experience you want for a couple of people. They, they, um, they actually died. So, but this book was a really big deal in some of the kind of, I don't even know what to call it. Uh, some of the theological circles that are kind of the name it and claim it, the, um, it sounds like Scientology to me, the, the, the Ron L. Hubbard, the Dianetics, you know. Yes, it is um, actually, it's got a lot of, yeah, it's got Mind over matter. Yeah, it, it, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It was very mind over matter. So he was saying that this person, their, their, you know, loneliness, he's like, well, you need to not speak that into existence. You need to say what you want and then thank God for already giving it to you. And it was just this really, I, I tried to kind of gently come around and say, you know, he, this guy's expressing a, a real need. You're kind of delegitimizing this. And the guy just straight up told me, I, I speak what the spirit wants me to speak you know, I'm not going to listen to you, you know, who's informing you. And I kind of gave him a couple passages of scripture. He called me a, a Christian in scare quotes saying, I don't talk to so-called Christians who think God speaks through the Bible. Wow. Wow. Um, so this that's, is the kind a, of... That's heresy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's borderline heresy right there. And heresy is a big deal. I mean, that's the whole reason why apologetics got started. I mean, yeah. it was all, it was not really defending people from outside the church. It was, pe- de- it was, it was um, going on the defense with people inside the church mm. because they were, these heresies were rising that were, you know, threatening the continuity of the gospel being handed down from generation, generation, generation. And, mm-hmm. and so it's like, we have been given something in the gospel to protect. And yes, there's a lot that we don't understand. As far as we've talked about before, they're the peripheral peripheral issues. It's still been given to us to protect, mm-hmm. to carry on with the next generation. And so I see this in our quote is encouraging that aspect in a mother to protect mm-hmm. her children yeah. and 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 to protect 
her children against false arguments that set themselves up against the knowledge of Christ, against their children coming to know Christ. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's perfectly legitimate. I think our culture is definitely, I mean, I'm, I myself have, have asked, you know, well, is that a little too harsh? You know, are people going to misunderstand that? Um, because we've certainly talked before. I mean, we've shared C.S. Lewis's apologist evening prayer and, and how we don't want it to be just about cutting people down and, and feeling witty. It's about, mm-hmm. it's about preserving our faith and about, like you said, rescuing people from, from strongholds. Yeah. Um, and and protecting our children, and I think that's something that's unique that women have. I mean, men protect the family as well, but it mm-hmm. it looks different, you know. And we've talked about before, women are the ones that are the most often spending the most time with their children. Yeah, and I, I want to point out just I think one of the real pivotal. This is again the net version, pivotal parts of this verse that says. Um, we tear down arguments and every obs- uh, every arrogant obstacle that is raised up against the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. What it, what are these arguments doing? They are raised up against the knowledge of God. They're keep, keeping people from eternal salvation. They are keeping people from eternal salvation. It's a life and death thing. This is a life and death situation. So mm-hmm. that is why tearing down deal. these arguments. Yeah, it's a it's very kind of a big, big deal. deal. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a time where someone says, well, that seems a little aggressive or that seems a little harsh, you know what? If this is the kind of thing that's going to keep someone from being in the eternal kingdom of God or not, I would like to know a time when you really should be aggressive about something. Not that we want to be aggressive with the person, but again, that idea is the thing that we say, "Uh uh-uh, that is not going to stand here. And the first part of what what you say, mess with our kids, Mm -hmm. that's already indicating that we're on the defense. Someone has already been aggressive with our kids. Yeah. And and if we think that we live in a vacuum and no one is trying to indoctrinate our children, <laughs> we are naive. I mean, yeah. we we don't we we and 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 it's usually the people that are saying that religion is indoctrinating are the ones that are just frustrated. Like I, I said this earlier, and you said, yeah, well, they're just frustrated because they're trying to indoctrinate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they're, they're competitive. And so mess with our kids means that they are trying to invade the sanctity of our home mm-hmm. where we are teaching our children truth, and they are trying to distort it. Yeah. And so you come on in here and you do that. We're, you're gonna you're messing with Mama Bear. <laughs> you're gonna mess with the Mama Bear. And it's like I am. I'm typically you know one of the kind of you know people will picture me as a Mama Bear, but I don't know. I remember when I first when I first had um, Hannah, our firstborn, and it was really when right after i gave birth and they gave her to me that all and a couple you know scientists like oh it's all the oxytocin blah 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 <laughs> well sure thank you for that because i had this incredible feeling of connection and love with her mm. and they just took her just to the other side of the room to weigh her uh-huh. and i was watching every move and i was <laughs> laughing at myself at the same time going what who is this (laughs) (laughs) you knew that it wasn't rational this kind of like well it's rational actually it is rational it's very natural but I surprised myself because I just didn't think I had that in me Mm. I'm such a peace loving peacemaker type you know that I'm you're pretty chill I just didn't have that in me you know Mm -hmm. and oh and they were just taking her to the other side of the room (laughs) 
so, and I remember I did not want her. She slept in the room with us. You know, at the hospital, sometimes they'll, they'll take them to the nursery. I wanted her in the room. I mean, just that protective instinct. Um, mm-hmm. And mama bear with her cubs. And I think it's a legitimate thing. And, and especially when they're young, they're in our care. God has given them to us. And as we've shared that quote from G.K. Chesterton before, we are everything. We are the world to them. And we are introducing them to the world. We have a huge monumental task, a broad task. And so when someone comes in and wants to try to take their heart away from Christ, Mm -hmm. we have a duty to protect them. And I would like to point out that it doesn't say protect your children from the arguments of the world. Because I think that sometimes people think, well, if I just um, shelter them from these things, it's actually has nothing to even to do with the kids. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with the argument. And it's going to be our child that's watching how we interact with this argument. Mm -hmm. That's going to tell them basically kind of who's, who's won the argument, which one is more sound logic which one is a more sound argument? Which one is more um, open to rational thinking? Mm-hmm. It's our interaction with that argument that tells them that even apart from the child, because we can shelter them all we want, but you know what? They're going to hit 18 at some point, and unless you want your children to live with you in your house for the rest of your life. Which... <laughs> well, and, and like we've said before, even if they aren't getting exposed to arguments coming from the outside, they have got their own questions. Mm-hmm. And when you encourage them to ask questions, they're just going to ask questions. And we've, we've, we've been, Natasha Crane, our friend with the Christian Mom Thoughts, she has wrote a great blog on encouraging your children to ask questions and asking them, what are your questions about God? Yeah. And we recently did this. It was so funny at the dinner table. And our youngest, Rachel, said, I have a question. Where did Cain get his wife? <laughs> I've heard that one before. And, and I was like, hello. <laughs> and, and then we had an opportunity to kind of say, you know, we don't fully know. Um, Lee has some thoughts on it, I think, differently from him. And I'm like, well, you know, mommy and daddy actually think differently about this. And yeah. um, mommy's a little agnostic on it. And anyway, it was it was fascinating, though. So they come up with this stuff on their own. Yeah. These arguments come in their own brain, yeah. you know, without someone coming from the outside um so yeah and i and i say in my doubt talk that a lot of times these questions kind of seem kind of small and you're kind of sometimes i think sometimes we try to shuffle them away thinking oh they won't think about it but when it comes to doubt and just the research that i've done on doubt one of the things that i really really believe is that in the back of their heads, people are keeping tabs of how many an- how many questions have been answered, mm. how many have been answered well, and how many have been answered poorly. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of keeping a tab of that, and one day they're going to be exposed to something that I, I kind of oversimplify this into saying there's either going to be some sin that they really, really love, or there's going to be some kind of emotional trauma that just kind of eats their lunch. And once they have one of those things happen and they just do not feel safe in Christianity anymore, they're going to whip out this list that they've been keeping a track of for their whole lives. And they're going to say, this is the reason why I left. Answer these. And basically, at that point, you're not going to get anywhere unless you start 
start engaging with some of those questions. And so it might seem like you're shuffling these questions off for the time being, but you will see them again. Uh, it's, it's of course, not never going to be 100%, but there's a good chance you will see these again. And at that point, uh, a lot of times they're not interested in the answers at that point because it's just a protective measure. And, and we've said this before, there is a whole category of questions that are somewhat mystery, mysterious. Yeah. So where did Cain get his wife? Well, God doesn't really tell us. <laughs> and he, it just is there, you know. Then he mm-hmm. went out and he got wife. They, you know, got a wife. And um, But then again, he was worried about people killing him. So we know that there were other people out there. Right, because... but, but there's, not, there's not details of where these yeah, people came from. Mm-hmm. And so we have to surmise. But one thing I told Rachel, I said, well, don't you think that the first people who read this, this is an ancient, ancient document, asked those same questions? And if it was totally bogus, if, 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 if it wasn't historical, then why would it have survived? And, and there's just, there is room for mystery. So we have yeah. to sometimes say, have some humility about some areas. We can't answer every argument, but we yeah, can we-, we can say, well, some arguments are not clear, but like, is that how... Well, how much bearing does that have on the resurrection? And Yeah. And again, that would be, I would recommend if you're not sure how, like if your kid comes with a question, you're like, okay, how big of a deal should this one be? Um, I would recommend going back to our podcast that is on um, core, core truths. Yeah, mm-hmm. core truths versus peripheral truths. And those should that would should be helpful. So anyway, just to kind of in summary of what we've been talking about, just our tagline, mess with our kids and we will demolish your arguments. Um, that this absolutely has no bearing on how we treat the person. It is just how we treat the argument. Um, a person is held captive by by hollow and deceptive teaching, by bad arguments. People are held captive by bad arguments. And if we can't take a clear shot, um, those are sometimes uh, just like in a, in a hostage situation. That's not the time to, to shoot if you don't think you can shoot without hitting the person. And so that's where you have to know the person that you're dealing with. And, and really, one thing that we talked about when we first started talking about mom, when you came to me with the idea from Mama Bear Apologetics, it's the idea of apologetics is intimidating and tough, and mommies are tired. <laughs> We're spending a lot of time taking care of our kids. But what is a prime motivator that we need? And, and I need this motivation. It's protecting our children. Yeah. And, and that is a motivation for me. I've also been through a period of doubt myself. And so I understand the value of apologetics. But people who haven't been through doubt might not really understand. So it's just, it, it's protecting your children. And I yeah. think that every mom can relate to that. And that's one of the reasons why I think you were, when you say that you were motivated to use that name and the tagline. Absolutely. Just because I think a lot of women wouldn't be interested in apologetics just because I think that there are some women who maybe have more of a sense, whether or not it's because they have an extra helping of the gift of faith, or if it's kind of because they're just too busy to think about some of these things. Or they think apologetics is just fighting and arguing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, for whatever reason, a lot of times you don't see women into apologetics as much and my whole purpose was saying you know what they might not be interested in it for themselves but if they could see how this is affecting their kids I guarantee they'll be interested and the reason why I know this is I've seen women whose children have walked away Mm. from the faith yeah educate themselves this this. is not just an intellectual apologetics is not just an intellectual issue it is a relational issue when it comes to protecting Mm. the ones you love 
Yeah. And the children that have been given in your care to take care of, God has given you the gift of, of being in charge of them for a time. And yeah. so it's a relational issue as well. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it's an absolutely biblical concept, just the idea of if it sounds like, oh, demolishing something, that doesn't sound very nice. Well, there's times when we're not to be nice. And in Scripture, in, in 2 Corinthians 10.5, says that when we're presented with arguments that put themselves up against the knowledge of God, that is the time that we are to tear down. It talks about in Ecclesiastes, there's a time to build up and a time to tear down. And the key is that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers, principalities, um, the spiritual forces, uh, ultimately. Yeah. Yep, that is what we're doing battle against. And so, Mama Bears, uh, you're the ones that your kids come to first with these questions. Women are so vitally important, and it is so just imperative that we support one another and that we equip ourselves and we become the ones who give those answers because our kids come to us first. And all the while we teach them what we've been saying, that it's not people that we're demolishing. And, Absolutely. you know, we have that apologist evening prayer <laughs> mm-hmm. in our in our hearts and minds that kind of keep us from, you know, demolishing the person, which is, you know, you have to restrain yourself sometime when you're yep. angry. And yeah. so. And you probably won't be perfect at it when you first start, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's close. I'll close us out in a prayer for the moms. Lord God, uh, you tell us in Scripture to be um, shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves, Lord. And part of maturing in Christ is being able to hold two opposing thoughts in our heads at the same time, where the idea of of our letting our gentleness be evident to all, we're called to do that. But at the same time, we're called to demolish strongholds that are, uh, present themselves against the knowledge of you. These sound like they're two opposite things, Lord, but you would not call us to do both if there was um, not a way for us to do both. That is where wisdom comes in, Lord. So we just pray for the people that are listening, Lord, uh, and the moms that are trying to find this balance for the ones, Lord, that have a tendency to be too harsh and enjoy uh, the battle, Lord, I pray, or the arguments and the debate, I pray, Lord, that you would give them a spirit of gentleness, Mm. Lord, that you would remind them that these are people that they're dealing with, and um, if they ever start putting the arguments above the people, Lord, uh, then they've gone too far. And then for the other side, Lord, the the people who are just all about peace and love and wanting to see everybody just kind of happy and agree, green, Lord, I pray that you would put the fire in their bones to see how these arguments, Lord, and these, and by arguments, I just mean these these reasons that people give for unbelief, Lord. Um, that is, ca- it is holding them captive to hollow and deceptive philosophy, Lord. And if there's one time that we are called to stand up and be fierce, Lord, it is protecting people and trying to bring them into your kingdom, Lord. There is a mm-hmm. time for both, Lord. And so I just pray for um, that you would speak to the hearts of those that are listening in the unique way that they need to be spoken to, Lord. We pray over this podcast uh, and pray that your Holy Spirit would just, um, yeah, it would just speak to the hearts, Lord, in unique ways. God, I thank you that you have not called us to be doormats. I thank you that you um, have still called us to gentleness and respect towards other people and that those are not mutually contradictory, Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, we thank you that you are a rich, rich God full of just complexity, Lord. Uh, you are not a simple God. Um, and that just inspires us to worship, Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, we just thank you for that and we pray for wisdom. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. 
This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. Have you been stumped by your kids already? Or maybe you have a nagging question of your own that you think would make a good podcast. Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we will do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. We are all in this together.